Greetings, and welcome to the JBL second quarter of fiscal year 2021 earnings call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. A question and answer session will follow the formal presentation. If anyone should require operator assistance during the conference, please press star zero on your telephone keypad. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded. I would now like to turn the conference over to your host, Adam Berry, Vice President of Investor Relations. Please go ahead, sir. Good morning, and welcome to JBL's second quarter of Fiscal 2021 Earnings Call. Joining me on today's call are Chief Executive Officer Mark Mondello and Chief Financial Officer Mike Dastor. Please note that today's call is being webcast live, and during our prepared remarks, we will be referencing slides. To follow along with the slides, please visit jable.com within our investor section of our website. At the conclusion of today's call, the entire call will be posted for audio playback on our website. Before handing the call over to Mark, I'd now ask that you follow our earnings presentation with the slides on the website, beginning with our forward-looking statement. During this conference call, we will be making forward-looking statements, including, among other things, those regarding the anticipated outlook for our business such as our currently expected third quarter and fiscal year 2021 net revenue, earnings, and cash flows. These statements are based on current expectations, forecasts, and assumptions involving risks and uncertainties that could cause actual outcomes and results to differ materially. An extensive list of these risks and uncertainties are identified in our annual report on Form 10-K for the fiscal year ended August 31st, 2020, and other filings. Jable disclaims any intention or obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statements, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. With that, it's now my pleasure to turn the call over to Mark. Thanks, Adam. Good morning. I appreciate everyone taking time to join our call today. I'll begin by offering a warm thanks to all of our people here at Jable. Thank you for your commitment, and thank you for always making safety your top priority. In stepping back and reflecting for a moment, it's hard to believe that 12 months have passed since we first encountered COVID. I think about sitting alongside Mike and Adam one year ago during our March 2020 earnings call when clarity vanished and uncertainty ran wild. Yet, in typical Jable fashion, our people did what they do. They dove in and gave their very best to combat the pandemic. They did so by looking after one another while taking outstanding care of our customers. It's a point in time that I'll never forget. It's a point in time that highlights the level of respect and admiration that I have for our team here at Jable. Their attitude and their actions continue to impress. And for sure, there's no other team I'd rather be part of. Again, much thanks to all of our employees who simply make Jable, Jable. Please turn to slide five, where we'll take a look at our 2Q results. Our second quarter came in well ahead of expectations driven by stronger than expected product demand, solid execution, and a well-balanced contribution 
throughout the entire company. The team delivered core earnings per share of $1.27 on revenue of $6.8 billion, resulting in a core operating margin of 4.2%. I'm really pleased with our financial results for the quarter. Although, what's quite interesting to me is the overall construct of the business in combination with the improvements we've made to our balance sheet. All in all, our performance during the first half of the year gives us excellent momentum as we push towards the back half of fiscal 21. It also sets a firm foundation for further margin expansion as we look to FY22. As customary, Michael provide more detail around our second quarter results during his prepared remarks. I'd now like to share a pie chart which is indicative of our commercial portfolio. Slide six underscores the effectiveness of our approach and the base from which we operate. Today, our business is wide ranging and resilient. This is especially true when any individual product or product family is faced with a macro disruption or cyclical demand. Furthermore, our current business mix provides a unique set of capabilities. Innovative capabilities openly shared across the enterprise with speed and precision as we simplify the complex for our customers. It's a proven formula that's trusted by many of the world's most remarkable brands. Moving to slide seven, I'll address our updated outlook for the year. We now believe core earnings will be in the neighborhood of $5 a share, an increase of 25% from what we anticipated back in September. With top line revenue coming in around $28.5 billion. This incremental revenue improves our portfolio as evident by another 10 basis point increase to core operating margin, which we now forecast to be 4.2% for the year. Lastly, we remain committed to generating a minimum of $600 million in free cash flow, a testament to how we're managing our capital investments. As I wrap up the outlook, it's notable that our strategy is working, our path is well understood, and how we go about producing results is important. On this last point, when we think about the how, we think about purpose. A purpose that guides us in our journey, a purpose which is grounded in a series of behaviors. Behaviors such as keeping our people safe, servant leadership, ensuring a fully inclusive environment, and giving back to our communities around the world. I'm just so proud that our team is hitting the mark in all of these areas. As we transition to my final slide, I want to once again say thanks to our team. Their efforts over the past two to three years have allowed us to reshape the business as we've targeted growth in select markets. Markets that largely align with secular trends. 
A few examples of these being 5G, personalized healthcare, electric vehicles, digital learning, cloud computing, clean energy, and eco-friendly packaging. Our team continues to develop deep domain expertise in concert with these secular tailwinds. I like the decisions we're making and what we're doing. And we do what we do while respecting the environment and safeguarding our workplace. We're committed to a workplace which encompasses tolerance, respect, and acceptance. We encourage each and every employee here at Jabil to be their true self. We strive to make the world just a little bit better, a little bit healthier, and a little bit safer each and every day. One factor that makes good companies great is possessing a value system which allows them to solve problems over and over again. We embrace this way of thinking and welcome the challenges put forth by our customers. Thank you, and I'll now turn the call over to Mike. Thank you, Mark, and good morning, everyone. As Mark just detailed, our second quarter performance was outstanding, driven by the combination of broad-based end market strength and associated leverage, an improved portfolio mix, and excellent operational execution by the entire Jable team. We saw broad-based revenue strength across the business, most notably in mobility, cloud, healthcare, connected devices, automotive, and semicap. Given the additional revenue, I am particularly pleased with the strong leverage we achieved during the quarter, which enabled us to deliver a strong core operating margin of 4.2%. And finally, our net interest expense came in better than expected during the quarter, due in large part to better working capital management, coupled with the proactive steps we've taken over the past year to optimize our capital structure. Putting it all together on the next slide, Net revenue for the second quarter was $6.8 billion, $300 million above the midpoint of our guidance range. On a year-over-year -year basis, revenue increased by $700 million, or 11%. Gap operating income was $236 million, and our gap diluted earnings per share was $0.99. Cents. Core operating income during the quarter was $285 million, an increase of 78% year-over-year, representing a core operating margin of 4.2%, 160 basis point improvement over the prior year. Net interest expense in Q2 was $33 million, and core tax rate came in at approximately 23%. Core delivered earnings per share was $1.27. 154% improvement over the prior year quarter. Now turning to our second quarter segment results on the next slide. Revenue for our DMS segment was $3.6 billion, an increase of 26% on a year-over-year -year basis. The strong performance in our DMS segment was extremely broad-based, as several of the end markets we serve are becoming increasingly critical such as connected devices, healthcare, automotive, and mobility. Core margins for the segment came in at an impressive 
210 basis points higher than the previous year. An incredible performance by the team. Revenue for our EMS segment was $3.2 billion, also reflecting strong broad-based demand. Core margins for the segment were 3.1%, 80 basis points over the prior year. Turning now to our cash flows and balance sheet. Cash flows provided by operations were $20 million in Q2, and capital expenditures net of customer co-investments totaled $152 million. We exited the quarter with cash balance of $838 million. We ended Q2 with committed capacity under the global credit facilities of $3.8 billion. With this available capacity, along with our quarter-end cash balance, Jebel ended Q2 with access to more than $4.6 billion of available liquidity, which we believe provides us ample flexibility. During Q2, we repurchased approximately 1.9 million shares for $82 million. At the end of the quarter, $254 million remain outstanding in our current stock repurchase authorization, and we intend to complete this authorization during the second half of FY21 as we remain committed to returning capital to shareholders. Turning now to our third quarter guidance. DMS segment revenue is expected to increase 19% on a year-over-year basis to $3.5 billion. This is mainly due to strong end market outlook. EMS segment revenue is expected to be $3.4 billion, an increase of 1% on a year-over-year basis. It's worth noting our EMS business remains strong and healthy. The modest increase is reflective of our previously announced transition to a consignment model in the cloud business. We expect total company revenue in the third quarter of fiscal 21 to be in the range of $6.6 billion to $7.2 billion for an increase of 9% on a year-over-year basis at the midpoint of the range. Core operating income is estimated to be in the range of $220 million to $270 million. Core delivered earnings per share is estimated to be in the range of $0.90 to $1.10. Gap delivered earnings per share is expected to be in the range of $0.69 to $0.89. Next, I'd like to take a few moments to provide an update on the long-term secular trends underway across our businesses, which we believe will drive sustainable growth across the enterprise in FY21 and beyond. In healthcare today, the industry is undergoing tremendous change due to rising costs, aging populations, the demand for better healthcare in emerging markets, and the accelerated pace of change and innovation. Consequently, we are witnessing healthcare companies shifting their core competencies away from manufacturing towards innovative and connected product solutions. We're in the early days of outsourcing of manufacturing in the healthcare space. On top of this, we're also seeing the impact of connectivity and digitization across healthcare. I expect these trends to accelerate over the next few years. Our deep domain expertise within the healthcare industry uniquely positions us to build technology-enabled products that help our customers excel in today's evolution of healthcare. 
Another end market experiencing a rapid shift in technologies is the automotive market. Today, electric vehicles account for less than 2% of total vehicles in the market. Climate change, fuel efficiency, and emissions are ongoing concerns, and regulatory policies worldwide are beginning to mandate more eco-friendly technologies. As a result, OEMs are making a substantial investment into vehicle electrification effort. Jabil's long-standing capabilities and over 10 years of experience and credibility in the space has positioned us extremely well to benefit from this ongoing trend. Turning now to 5G. 5G will transform the way we live, work, play, and educate. As the underlying infrastructure continues to roll out, 5G adoption is accelerating. Jabil is well positioned to benefit from both the worldwide infrastructure rollouts and with devices which will be needed to recognize the full potential of a robust 5G network. 5G is also accelerating secular expansion of cloud adoption and infrastructure growth. This, coupled with the value proposition Jabil offers to cloud hyperscalers, is helping us gain market share in an expanding market evidenced by the significant growth over the last three years. The value proposition that continues to resonate with our customers is our design to dust capabilities, which incorporates engineering, manufacturing, and eco-friendly decommissioning of servers, all within co-located facilities. This is incredibly powerful as accelerating cycle times, security, and transparency at every step of the hardware life cycle become continually more important to our U.S. domiciled hyperscalers. Shifting now to packaging. We are uniquely positioned to benefit from the global shift to smart and eco-friendly packaging. As consumers become more informed about the environmental impact of plastic waste, demand for sustainable packaging solutions is accelerating. And then finally, within SemiCap, the demand for semiconductors has never been higher with the accelerated convergence of technologies and the associated data generation and storage needs. Nearly every part of the economy runs on silicon today. Jable serves the SemiCap space with end-to-end -end solutions spanning the front end with design and complex fabrication equipment along with the back end with validation and test solutions. In summary, I'm extremely pleased with the sustainable broad-based momentum underway across the business, which has allowed us to deliver much better than expected results in the first half of FY21. As we turn our attention to the back half of the year and beyond, we fully expect the long-term secular tailwinds that are driving our business to continue. This, coupled with our improving portfolio mix and lower interest and tax expenses, has given us the confidence to meaningfully raise our FY21 estimates for revenue, core operating income, core margins, and core earnings per share. We now expect core operating margins to be 4.2% on revenue of approximately $28.5 billion. This improved outlook translates to core earnings per share of approximately $5. And importantly, despite the stronger growth, we remain committed to delivering free cash flow in excess of $600 million for the year. We've been working extremely hard as a team to grow margins, cash flows, and positively impact our interest in tax.
I am very pleased with our team's exceptional execution of our strategy on all fronts. With that, I'll now turn the call over to Adam. Thanks, Mike. As we begin the Q&A session, I'd like to remind our call participants that per our customer agreements, we will not address any customer or product-specific information. We appreciate your understanding and cooperation. Operator, we're now ready for Q&A. Thank you, sir. At this time, we'll be conducting a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. A confirmation tone will indicate your line is in the question queue. You may press star 2 if you would like to remove your question from the queue. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star keys. One moment, please, while we pull for questions. Our first question today is from Ruplu Bhattacharya of Bank of America. Please proceed with your question. Hi, thanks for taking my questions and congrats on the strong results. Um, you know, I had a couple of questions, maybe Mark. First question on the EMS side, uh, you're, you're guiding now to 13.4 billion, that's almost a billion dollars higher than the previous guidance. Uh, but the operating margin is still guided at 3.6%. So just just curious, I mean, you know, why why isn't the operating margin target for that for this year for EMS moving up a little bit more? Just if you can just talk about the puts and takes uh, on that. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Ruplu. Um I feel good about I feel good about where the where the margin. You know, if if I think you're right when we. When we look at the overall corporate margin for the year, we think we'll be around 4.2%, and, um, and EMS will be in the range of, I would guess, 3.6%, 3.7%. I look at that relative to fiscal 19. If I go back that far, and I think EMS in 19 was around 3% all in. Last year, uh, we were below that, and I acknowledge that was a um, – uh, a COVID year with with excessive COVID expenses, but boy, I feel pretty good about um, uh, that business overall. I I think we're doing the right things in cloud. I look at that business today um, in terms of a mix of legacy business, some businesses that uh, um, we've gotten a bit of a, a nudge or help with with COVID, but most importantly, Ruplu, I think about things that. Um, Mike was talking about in his prepared remarks in terms of uh, trends that we think are going to be around for a while. Things like 5G, uh, electric vehicles, cloud computing, clean energy. So I feel good about the year. We uh, we continue to make OPEX investments as well uh, in the EMS segment, but um, I think we're on a good trajectory. I don't, you know, of, of the things I I obsess about or worry about. Uh, you know, the condition of the EMS business the next two, three years isn't one of them. Okay. Okay, thanks for clarifying that, and that makes sense. Um, just on the mobility side, I want to ask a general question. I mean, are you concerned or how concerned are you about any configuration changes that might come up in the rest of the year? Can you maybe at a high level just talk about how prepared JBL is this year versus in prior years about handling mobility uh, related, uh, you know, volatility uh, that that can come up in the rest of the year. Uh, I don't want to speculate on any configuration changes or anything like that. I uh, our our relationship in that space with um, uh, with our our main customer there is uh, is super solid. 
And um, when I just think back about the last two, three years of execution, I've got, again, very little doubt in our ability to execute on the mobility side, um, configuration changes or not. So, um, I, again, not an area that, uh, that I'm losing a lot of sleep over. Great. Th thanks for the details, and again, congrats on the on the quarter and the and the strong guy. Thank you. Thanks, Rupu. The next question is from Adam Tyndall of Raymond James. Please proceed with your question. Okay. Thanks. Good morning, Mark. I wanted to start with a question on operating margin and acknowledge it's been very strong uh, so far. A two-parter, just on near-term and long-term moving forward. So first on near term, your Q3 guidance implies that total company operating margin is going to be down maybe somewhere around mid 3% range or so, and then back up to around 4% or so in Q4 based on the EPS guide, if I got that correct. doesn't look like that's volume related because revenue is going to be flattish during this time. So maybe just more color on drivers of the Q3 dip and rebound in Q4. And secondly, you mentioned longer term as you exit this year with the four handle, the trajectory that that puts you on as you think about fiscal 22 and, and beyond, because you said you wanted to build on that. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. Um, Q3 is always a little bit of a divot for us. And, you know, as much as, um, as much as we uh, uh, take a lot of, um, uh, I don't know if the word's pride, we, we feel really good about, about uh, the overall mix and uh, of the business. Uh, what we've done the last two, three years. But again, we always see a little bit of a soft spot uh, in terms of enterprise level, uh, in terms of um, op margin. I think um, you're right. Enterprise margins for Q3 will be uh, around the 3.5% range. And um, again, I compare that to last year, which maybe it's nonsense because of COVID, but uh, it's up substantially uh, year on year. I'm going off of memory, but I, I got to believe that if we um, if we went back to fiscal 19, uh, we'd be up uh, year on year in terms of a Q3 to Q3 as well. So none of it has anything to do with reflection of the business other than for certain parts of our business, as, as you know, uh, Q3 tends to be more of an investment quarter on an OPEX line than, than the other quarters. The thing that I'm focused on more than anything is, is beginning of the year, uh, so we've had we've had we've strung together I don't know Adam four or five years where uh, the overall enterprise op margin line has been bouncing around three and a half percent. That's as we've really been focused on adding good quality growth to the company. And September we we gave an outlook that said for the year we'd do a four handle on on op margin. Ninety days ago in December we took that up to four one. Now we're taking that up to four two. So um, I, I feel I'm more focused on that trajectory than the quarter, quarter on quarter uh, results. And in terms of your comment, uh, forward looking beyond 21, we'll, we'll give more detail around that in the investor day in September. I had, uh, I had said something in my prepared remarks today around the fact that um, uh, uh, we're very focused on continuing a positive direction with margins as we get into fiscal 22, and that would be relative to the to the 4-2 that we, we hope to post this year. Got it. And maybe just as a follow-up for Mike, you talked about being able to, or uh, the plan to generate over $600 million of free cash flow this year. Wondering if that's also something that you can build on, like Mark's comments on operating margin as we think about a go-forward basis, or are there CapEx investments to achieve that operating margin improvement? 
and maybe you can just tie in your um, uh, cap allocation priorities as you uh, answer that question. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. Uh, yeah, de definitely. Uh, free cash flow uh, will. Uh, I think we've said more than 600 million for this year. Uh, as we continue into FY22, uh, I expect that to uh, continue uh, to grow. Uh, well, again, we've, we've said this before, uh, CapEx is something we're, we're being extremely uh, disciplined on uh, in that 2.9-3% uh, range. Uh, so free cash flows next year, again, we'll give guidance in September, but I expect that to uh, go up on a similar run rate as it's done uh, in FY21. Uh, as it relates to uh, capital allocation, uh, Adam, uh, we continue uh, to be sort of uh, well-balanced. Uh, we continue with our buybacks. I talked about our buybacks uh, in my prepared remarks. Uh, we have $254 million left uh, of our authorization. Uh, we intend to uh, complete that authorization uh, in Q3 and Q4 uh, or in the second half of the year. Uh, so that that shows that we're uh, extremely uh, committed to the buyback uh, program, and that will uh, continue uh, into 22, 23. I don't want to preempt anything, uh, but I'm sure uh, we'll be uh, continuing that uh, progress from a buyback uh, standpoint. Um, most of the, I, I think we laid out uh, a few quarters ago the capital allocation percentages. Uh, roughly half uh, is in uh, into buybacks, dividends. Some of it, uh, the balance of it goes into uh, debt, uh, uh, sort of uh, debt restructuring, and uh, the balance would be opportunistic sort of uh, M&A as well. So well-balanced uh, capital allocation uh, continues uh, going forward, Ed. Very helpful. Thank you both. Thanks, Adam. The next question is from Jim Suva of Citigroup. Please proceed with your question. Thank you, and uh, good results. If I look at your uh, updated guidance on the buy segments, am I correct that the 5G wireless and cloud is the one that kind of is giving you the, the most surprise there? And if so, are any of your segments or all of them or any of them experiencing semiconductor shortages, or are you able to procure all the components and, and items needed? Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Uh, I assume you're talking about our eight sectors um, yes, on the blue-green slide. Yeah, so um, I'm not quite sure what you mean in terms of surprise, in terms of the uplift, uh, for sure. So I, I, I don't know that it's a surprise to us that we're seeing strength in 5G and cloud. Uh, uh, back in December, we knew that there was going to be some, some component shortages and constraints but we've been very bullish on the 5G wireless infrastructure and, and cloud area of our business. So um, uh, whether surprise or not, it's certainly an area where we continue to see strength. And, and I think that's largely both on the 5G side and the cloud side, um, our services and our solutions are being um, uh, well accepted and embraced out in the marketplace. So uh, feel really good about, uh, about that area of the business. In terms of, um, Supply constraints, I would say that um, uh, we talked about this a bit in December, let's say uh, nine months ago or so, um, you know, there was, uh, there was demand drops uh, everywhere based on COVID. Uh, I think that uh, people uh, took a lot of their demand signals, um, cut them abruptly, 
And then uh, at least our conversations with our customers, very few people anticipated uh, the rebound that we've seen, which largely started August, September timeframe. And uh, a bit to our surprise, has continued to be very strong through uh, early stages of 2021. And um, uh, on the supply side, uh, again, all of that drove constraints. The one good piece of information I think to share is uh, any type of uh, supply constraints, whether it be around resin, whether it be around silicon, whether it be around passives, uh, whether it be around mechanicals, all that's handicapped into our numbers. And I would, I would actually say that um, uh, we took a fairly uh, deep handicap to that for our Q3 and Q4. So I feel, uh, if anything, maybe there's some slight upsides to uh, what we've put out today, assuming that uh, uh, the supply constraints don't worsen, worsen. I think the other thing I would say is, is um, uh, I think I think the procurement team at Jables just simply the best team in the business. And if I think about our scale, if I think about our holistic approach to demand planning, whether that cuts across healthcare or mobility or EMS business or automotive. Um, our team's knowledge of the marketplace, the knowledge of the commodities, knowledge of technologies, and then the longstanding relationships we have is really allowing us to navigate uh, what otherwise is a, is a, is a, is a tough uh, component market at the moment. So I feel um, uh, we're getting along and, and getting by uh, quite well, all things considered, on a relative basis. Thank you so much for the details. Yeah, thanks, Jim. The next question is from Stephen Fox of Fox Advisors. Please proceed with your question. Thanks. Good morning. Um, two questions, if I could, please. First, Mark, could you just give a little more color on where um, the healthcare solutions business is on its margin journey and how it did in the quarter? Um, you know, maybe referencing back to when you first did the J and J deal um, and what you were thinking for next year. And then, secondly, I just so I'm clear. Um, Based on what you just said about um, constraints and, and um, potential uh, inventory builds, Mike, you're talking about still doing $600 million in cash flow, free cash flow. Um, is the difference between prior thinking just basically higher EBIT offset by more inventory investments, or are there other puts and takes? Thanks. Hey, Steve, somehow, uh, somehow you cut off. Sorry, sorry for breaking the conference call. Um, did you hear any of my questions, or should I repeat? Uh, if you could repeat them, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. So, first question again was on the healthcare area. So, if you can provide some color into how it performed during the quarter, both top line and margin, and where you are on the margin journey. Um, you know, referencing back to you know the, when you first did the J and J deal, and then secondly, I'm just trying to understand, make sure I understand the. Um, that you, the cash flow target staying at 600 million plus. Um, you have higher EBIT, but it sounds like higher inventory investments. Is that basically the puts and takes versus 90 days ago, or is there anything else? Thanks. Yeah, thank you. So on the healthcare side, uh, I think we're I think we continue to hit it on all cylinders. Um, Steve Borges and his team who run that business, uh, you know, we we started talking about the JJMD relationship. Um, I don't even know how long ago now, two, two and a half years ago, we kind of laid out a roadmap there and, and uh, our healthcare team has executed nearly flawlessly to the roadmap that we laid out. So feel good about that. 
And then uh, the business around uh, the JJMD, and I, I talked uh, in my prepared remarks about, um, you know, different trends, and the team is really focused on things um, like core healthcare, like personalized health, like digital health. Um, you know, we announced uh, sometime during the quarter um, another relationship uh, that has uh, everything to do with um, technology around uh, auto injection and auto injectors. Uh, and so I just look at the technology, the investments that, that uh, our healthcare teams are making and um, feel really good about that. Our healthcare and packaging business, uh, Steve, last year, I think was in the neighborhood of $4.1, $4.2 billion. And uh, I would guess as we exit this year, healthcare and packaging will be bumping up against $5 billion. And I think we'll continue to see good solid growth in that area for the next two to three years. In terms of um, the $600 million of cash flow, uh, it's, another, it's another number that I feel uh, really good about. And on the surface, maybe it's a little bit confusing because EBITDA is going up and uh, margins are going up. So why wouldn't cash flow go up? We have, we have been working diligently to um, continue to shape the portfolio. Our number one focus as a leadership team is cash flows and management um, over the next two, three, four years. I think if we ever get to a point where, where as a leadership team, we decide not to grow the company, uh, that would be a perilous thing to do and uh, makes no sense to us as long as we're adding uh, good quality business, again, attached to secular trends that allow us to continue to expand margins uh, as we look at 22 and 23. So if I take you back to the beginning of the year, we said we'd do 26 and a billion in revenue. Uh, now we're bumping up against 28, 28.5. And um, so with that, with the additional top line, with uh, the way the team's managing working capital, with the way the team's managing CapEx, and then Mike alluded to the fact that uh, we're going to complete our buyback authorization by August 31 of the year. So I think we're being um, uh, well-balanced in terms of both uh, capital investments, OPEX investments, and shareholders. I feel good about uh, the $600 million plus, And then we'll give an update to uh, what I think you should anticipate as stronger cash flows uh, as we get into the investor day in September. Great. Appreciate all that, Calder. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. The next question is from Paul Koster of J.P. Morgan. Please proceed with your question. Uh, yeah, thanks for taking my question. Um, you talked earlier of uh, you know improved mar- a platform for you know, be- better margins in the future, um, and they're already improving. And I'm just wondering, Mark, if you can talk about how much of this is structural um, in the industry itself. Uh, and how much of it is under your control? What is it you are doing today that m- makes you feel sure that you're locking in higher margins in the sort of medium term? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know that it's structural to the to to our industry. Um, yeah, I hope so. I, I think um, I think if our competition can lock in higher margins, that's always good. But uh, you know, we're pretty inwardly focused, Paul. I think about um, uh, I think about first and foremost, you know, we we obsess about customer care and, and customer solutions. And I think if we if we don't get that out of order, Paul, 
and we continue to obsess uh, about our customers and what they need and solving their issues, uh, the financials are following. If I step back and I look at this fiscal year, uh, I was noticing something um, uh, over the weekend. You know, this will be along with the along with the margin uh, trajectory. I think this will be the first first year we've ever had in the history of the company if we execute, and that's a big capital IF. But if we execute, we're going to string together four consecutive quarters where every single quarter is at or exceeds a dollar uh, a dollar per share, um, and that just kind of jumped off the page. But in terms of um, in terms of margin expansion, um, you asked about you know is it structural? I think so. Uh, that's our plan, um, and that's what will allow us to take margins up from the 4.2% as we get into next year. And I think about everything from our balance sheet. If you take a look at, and, and again, um, now I'm coming at it a little bit more from an EPS perspective, but since you asked the question around, around is it structural, our balance sheet continues to improve, net debt's going down, interest expense is going down, um, overall liquidity has gone up. And then I take a look at the business, and I, I, I look at things like uh, I think we have very, very good um, uh, overhead and, and, and overhead costs. I think about overall demand. I think about uh, the secular trends that we've talked about, and sometimes that's a really, really overused term. But we are truly embedded in so many of those uh, markets, which I think are going to be around for the next two or three years. And then um, – you know, the whole COVID thing, it's not behind us yet, but um, uh, with the vaccine being here, we, uh, we hope to have 70, 80% of our employees globally have access to the vaccine over the next six to eight months. Uh, it just, uh, and, and, then, and then I think lastly, and we've been talking about this for 10 to 12 quarters, is the mix of our business is as healthy as it's ever been. So I think you shake all that stuff up together and... Um, Again, I, I take a look at the last couple of years. Margins have been around three and a half percent. I think that there's a real opportunity here for us to, on a structural basis, um, increase margins by 100 basis points as we look forward off of that three three point five percent base. Well, maybe the follow up then, Mark, is what is it that you're not doing? Um, are you able to? It sounds like you had the choice of not doing some business. Uh, because you could be satisfying your customers, delighting them even, but it could be bad business that you're doing ultimately from a margin perspective. So can you talk to us a little bit about how you shape the portfolio and what you do at the front end to prevent uh, you know, low margin business coming in and hurting the overall business model? Uh, I, I, think it starts with, I think it starts with absolute clarity of communication uh, to the troops internally. You know, I, I can tell you this. I've been with the company a long time. Where I screw things up is is when I have stuff in my head uh, with the leadership team and we don't communicate it to the group. What I can tell you on the reciprocal of that is is when the group understands where we're going and why we're going there and what our purpose is, uh, there's no better team. There just isn't. And so people understand that there's two things that we're focused on for the next uh, you know two, three, four years, and that's continued expansion of cash flows and continued expansion of margins. So. And, and I and, and 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 by the way, our portfolio, it, it you know we we kind of refer to it as a portfolio for a reason. We have we have some business that that might be a little softer on the margin side, but based on terms, based on the business itself, have tremendous cash flows. 
And we have other businesses that have tremendous margin, uh, but maybe the working capital is a little richer. We have some of that in our healthcare space and, and other areas. But when you blend all that together, uh, boy, I, I think there's just a picture here uh, that we're just starting to paint. And um, again, we feel pretty good for the next two to three years. To answer your question directly, uh, we're just going to stay away from bad business. And, um, you know, that that could mean a variety of things. But I think internal, internally, people are pretty clear on, um, you know, what we're going to go after. Uh, certainly, if we can go after business where there's going to be uh, positive trends going forward, it's it's uh, it's goodness for everybody. But I think uh, I think the organization is pretty clear about the type of businesses we're not going to go after. Got it. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, Paul. The next question is from Shannon Cross of Cross Research. Please proceed with your question. Uh, thank you very much. I wanted to dig a bit more into the 5G wireless and cloud outlook, um, the increase. I'm, I'm just curious, you know, specifically, maybe you can give some more details on, on what's driving that. And, and what I'm trying to figure out is, is this demand that would have come in the future but is being pulled in now as people start to ramp 5G? Or are you seeing market share gains and, you know, actual, I don't want to say actual end market growth because obviously the market is growing, but, um, you know, how much of it is being driven by um, increased end demand overall? And then I have a follow-up. Thank you. Shannon, I'd say, I'd say, and I, I don't want to be, and I don't want to be offensive by not getting into details. Um, I, I would, I would, I would say this with a, with a high degree of confidence. For sure, we're seeing secular trends and trends that are very positive in terms of cloud and, and, and finally, uh, what looks to be reasonable plans in terms of the 5G wireless rollout. Uh, so that's going to be helpful, and, and we, think that's, we think that's here to stay for uh, not a number of months, but a number of years. And, uh, and by the way, we think that's going to have all kinds of tangents tied to it as well once the 5G rollout is, gets underway in terms of um, derivatives to other parts of our business. And then I think uh, I'd complement that with saying there's just been there's just been good acceptance of our solutions and our services um, in in the space, both on the design side. I think Mike alluded to he was using some <laughs> some fancy terms around uh, you know um, uh, what we call kind of design to dust and repurposing older servers and and he did a nice job explaining it. It, it sounds a little um, I don't know overly technical or whatever, but We've got, we, you know, when we when we talk about the design side, all the way to repositioning and 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 uh, disposing of, of older hardware, uh, kind of front to back. I think um, Shannon, the the solutions we have in that space, uh, again, um, it's still what I would call early days, but uh, have been received quite well. And I would also suggest that um, uh, there is uh, there is some market share wins in there as well. Great, that was helpful. And then my second question is just on stimulus. If you think back to last summer and and maybe what you – I know it's it's somewhat hard to determine how much benefit you guys saw directly from stimulus, but how are you thinking about it when you um, gave us the, the guidance for this year in terms of the uh, the checks that are going to be hitting in the next few weeks? Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I, let me break up the back half of 21 with, with 22 and 23. I can't make sense. I can't make sense of the U.S. equity markets anymore because I, I I I don't know I don't know how they got detached from fundamentals in so many ways. I just think that 
when you put four trillion dollars of stimulus into the system and there's dollars everywhere, they got to go somewhere. Um, I think that stimulus will be a bit of a driver uh, for the next couple quarters, maybe maybe into one Q of um, of 22. But the nice thing is, so as, as we as we navigate 21, I see I see two things. I see certain parts uh, 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 of our business being driven by by what I would call COVID-type behaviors. Some of those will dissipate. Some of those will maintain. I see certain parts of our business that are stimulus-related. Um, you know, in certain parts of the United States right now, uh, you go and you try to buy a truck, a car, an appliance, uh, whatever it may be. Um, there's backlogs everywhere, and I think that's stimulus-related. But as the impact of stimulus and the impact of COVID start to, to, to attenuate a bit and, and fall off a bit, I, I think what's right behind that is um, kind of uh, no kidding, no nonsense secular trends. And again, Mike talked about it. I talked about it in our prepared remarks. And I think, um, I think those, those specific trends uh, certainly will be a driver for a business the next uh, two, three, four years. So it's not like I'm sitting here going, geez, um, when stimulus abates, when COVID types of hardware uh, uh, either go away or reduce, um, that there's not going to be other elements uh, that continue to give us a little bit of an uplift. So I don't know if that, that helps or gets at your question, but that's how I see it. Yeah, very helpful. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. The next question is from Matt Sheeran of Stiefel. Please proceed with your question. Uh, yes, thank you, uh, and good morning. Uh, Mark, uh, your, your commentary across end markets, uh, extremely positive. Um, one area that you're, you're still guiding down year over year is networking and storage. Uh, it looks like you took that up a little bit from 2.3 to 2.4 billion, but still down. Could you tell us uh, you know, what you're seeing in that uh, market? Is it still you know, weakness in on-prem spend and expectations of that improving um, as the recovery continues post-COVID? Yeah, sure. So um, the the network storage business was around 2.8 in fiscal 20. September, we took that all the way down to 2.2. And again, that's a reflection of a couple things. It's, it's, it's a reflection of some, some of the legacy business um, maybe starting to lose footing and lose a little traction out in the marketplace. Um, uh, number two is, is, again, as we continue to um, think about our portfolio for fiscal 22 and 23, um, there's certain areas of that business that um, – when we think about our overall invested capital, uh, might not make sense for us any longer. Uh, but the nice thing is, is, is from the September timeframe to the December timeframe to today, uh, we've actually been on a trajectory back up. So that's nothing more than a, we have tremendous relationships with certain customers in that space. Um, and, uh, and we'll continue to serve those customers, serve them well. And, and as long as they'll have us and, and appreciate the value we provide, we're all in. And, um, uh, so I, again, I think about 2.8 and 20, get down 2.2 in the last, I think December and, and today we've taken it back up by $200 million roughly. And I would just look at, I'd look at network and storage as a, 
um, a very key element of, of our eight-sector makeup. And I would say that um, even though in some of those businesses margins might be tight, um, cash flows are quite good. So it's a very good complement to the other, other seven sectors. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, and then uh, just a question regarding uh, your packaging initiatives, particularly the eco-friendly initiatives. Uh, you just announced a, a big uh, uh, paper uh, bottle uh, solutions um, uh, investment and, and plan. Could you talk more about that, the opportunity, and how important is that in terms of a, of, of a growth driver for Jable? Well, it won't be much of a growth driver this year. Uh, you know, we, we have to be very, very, very selective in our M&A. We are, we are committed to returning capital to shareholders. Uh, but at the same time, and I made this comment around, uh, around growth, you know, if we ever get to a point where we're not growing the company, then shame on us, but we have to do so in a margin-friendly, cash flow-friendly way, which is, I think, what I hope this year's results will start to prove out. And um, as part of that, the good news is, is, is um, almost all of our material growth is, is organic, which is the best growth to have by two magnitudes. Uh, but we will continue to complement that with select M&A activity. And for us to put some dollars in play <clears throat> with uh, the acquisition you're talking about is a wonderful company with wonderful people and great leadership, a uh, company called Ecologic. We are very excited about the platform that they've developed. And, you know, we always ask ourselves the question, um, uh, when we're looking at acquisitions, we start with culture alignment, we start with uh, capability and competency, and then, and then what are we going to do with the business when we own it strategically? We have a wonderful roadmap internally around sustainable packaging, and uh, this is kind of a, a second or third step for us. We believe that we'll be able to take that technology and as we look towards fiscal 22-23, um, give that technology its due in terms of further R&D and then giving that technology exposure to uh, maybe bigger brands that um, we support based on our balance sheet, our scale, and our relationships. Okay. Thanks very much. Yep, you're welcome. The next question is from Mark Delaney of Goldman Sachs. Please proceed with your question. Uh, yes, good morning. Uh, thanks very much for taking the questions. Uh, the company's doing very well on margins and guiding to 4.2% for this year, uh, despite what I would think are some temporary cost headwinds related to the supply chain environment, including uh, the sh shipping costs and some of these component, component shortages that uh, the whole industry is having to, to deal with. Can you talk about how much of a headwind the, the company may, may be seeing from some of those uh, supply chain types of costs this year? And if, if we were to add that back, do, do you think that's more representative of the underlying margin levels that uh, the company can uh, hopefully build off of going forward? Or are there any other temporal factors that we should be thinking about that's influencing margins this year? Uh, thanks, Mark. You know, I, I geez, uh, I, I, I said earlier, you know, we've um, – We've certainly handicapped the business for Q3 and Q4, and I think our handicap has been appropriate. Uh, so I, I think that in and of itself might suggest that, um, um, you know, if we didn't handicap the business, maybe margins would be 4.3% uh, for the year. I, I wouldn't get much ahead of that. But I, I also uh, mentioned earlier, Mark, the, the method – the method to our madness in terms of supply chain management, it's, it's, it's wonderful. And, you know, just listening to others, um, either a few customers, 
suppliers or, or folks in our industry, uh, we're navigating this thing beautifully. And it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tough deal, but uh, the impact to us, I think will be uh, minimal on a relative basis. And um, uh, again, as we sit here today, uh, we had a debrief from our entire procurement team last week, and we feel like this thing will start to show levels of relief as we get into one Q of 22, and for sure as we get into uh, calendar 22. So um, to frame out that time frame, call it September, October, November time frame, uh, we'll start seeing relief, and then I think things will be back uh, uh, to more normal conditions, call it January, February, March of, um, of 22. With that said, uh, again, we gave the guidance we gave to today uh, for Q3 and Q4 and it's something we feel confident in. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, when you look at margins at 4.2 for the year, I think, um, I think we're going to continue to effort to have an upward trajectory of that as we get into 22. Uh, even with considerations of, of near-term supply chain issues. That's uh, that's very helpful. My follow-up question was on the uh, EV opportunity, and automotive has been a, a growing business for Jabil and an area I realize that Jabil has a lot of capabilities in already. Uh, Foxconn is moving to diverse or broaden out its, its business and in, in, in doing full electric vehicle architectures and, and even final car assembly. I'm interested if that's the type of business that uh, Jabil would also consider expanding into uh, within the automotive and EV space. Thanks. Uh, I think it's a far stretch to think that we'll set up automotive factories. Um, you know, the, the capital intensity of that is enormous, and um, and I don't want our people focused away from what we do really, really well, which is uh, sensors, components, sub-assemblies for, for the entire automotive space. And thank you for the compliment on that. We do have a, a very good track record in automotive. Uh, you know, one of the strategic um, uh, decisions we made two and a half, three years ago was is all hands-on in terms of, of really focusing hard on, on electrification and EV, uh, not just with automobiles, but all the transportation. And I think that uh, I think that decision's paying dividends to us. You know, when you when you think about the term electrification, that that would suggest right in our core. And uh, the R and D dollars and the investments we've made in that area have been substantial. So uh, I feel pretty good about how we're positioned there. Um, and you know, we'll see how that plays out for 22 and 23. If I had to speculate, make a little bit of a guess today, I think today, um, you know, we look at that. Uh, uh, the eight sector chart in uh, in FY20 uh, automotive transport was about 1.7 billion. September we took that up to 1.9. We're sitting here today saying it'll be a bit over 2.2. Uh, and I would, if I had to venture a guess today, I, I would say that the trajectory of that sector uh, as we move through uh, 22 is going to continue to be up and to the right. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. This now concludes our call. Thank you for your interest in Jabil. You may disconnect your lines at this time. Thank you for your participation.